The Boise Bubble Podcast is so excited to introduce our newest sponsor, Treasure Valley Dermatology, and its head dermatologist, Dr. Dustin Portella. We've been clients of Treasure Valley Dermatology since its opening over five years ago. Their level of care and expertise is unmatched in the Treasure Valley. With locations in Meridian, Boise, and Caldwell, they're continuing to grow to meet demand, including a new state-of-the-art location in Meridian that's currently under construction. Dr. Portella also has a massive TikTok and Instagram presence, and he's dedicated to providing accurate medical information when so often the opposite is given on these platforms. Call 208-SKIN-DOC to schedule your appointment. We're excited to be teaming up with this incredible local company. Are you wondering what your Boise area property is worth? Would you like to know your home's estimated value? It's time to reach out to Jesse Taff of Waypoint Real Estate Group. His free service provides you with your property's current market value and suggested selling price. He will analyze the comparables, local trends, and other local market data to provide you with an up-to-date and accurate estimate of the worth of your home or condo. Head to the link in his Instagram bio to fill out the form, and he'll be in touch with the numbers. Wondering what you need to make that next property purchase achievable? Reach out to Bryce Conser of Fulcrum Home Loans for professional options. Also, his Instagram page has lots of information for establishing wealth in our current economy. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Welcome back to the conversation. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Shane Plummer. Join us for a conversation with Christina Bruce Binion, who is the executive director of local foundation, the Wasmuth Center for Human Rights. You Idaho history enthusiasts will recall the center's namesake. Bill Wasmuth was a key player in the battle against the notorious white supremacist group, the Aryan Nation, in the northern Idaho area throughout the 80s and 90s, he himself being a target of violence at the hands of this hateful group. Today, the center's focus is on protecting and perpetuating human rights and educating the general public about the dangers of hate that, as will come as no surprise to anyone, is more recent and close to home than we'd like to believe. The center was behind the creation of the Anne Frank Memorial to Human Rights, which sits on the Green Belt in downtown Boise and is a worthwhile destination for all community members. More actively, they're engaged in providing the public with tools to have constructive conversations with other members of our community who believe differently than ourselves or hold opinions different from our own. As believers and proponents of healthy community dialogue, the center's core purpose is one that we can get behind. Christina was a wonderful guest, and we're grateful for the time she gave us. So with that, join us for a conversation about human rights and the Wasmuth Center. Christina, thank you so much for spending some of your time with us today. Uh, we're here with Christina Bruce Binion of the Wasmuth Center for Human Rights. So thank you so much. How are you? I'm well. Thanks so much for having me. Good. So um, let's start with just a brief introduction. Um, who are you? Uh, what do you do for the center? And then we'll dive into the center itself and and, and what your group does. Um, but kind of before I, I do that, I just kind of wanted to share what our initial interest is. Um, we have a friend that I think uh, worked for the center for a while, a historian, uh, Mark Iverson of the Ida History Podcast. And so he spoke great things about your group and the initiative. And um, he's kind of turned us on to some of the need for this discussion. So we're just grateful to be here talking to you today. Great. So great. tell Thanks us so about you. 
Yeah, gosh, I'm Christina Brisbanian, currently the executive director of the Wasson Center for Human Rights um, here in Boise. And um, gosh, I've been in the Treasure Valley for probably about 25 years now. So I didn't grow up here, but, um, but have been here uh, for quite a while. My husband is from here. And um, really just joined the Wasson Center in November of 2022. So mm -hmm. fairly new-ish in this role. Um, and prior to that, I worked in um, various aspects of refugee resettlement in the Valley and, um, you know, just in, in a lot of partnership and, and a lot of the themes and issues really sort of flow from that, um, that work and really inform the work um, and sort of how I view the role of the center, I guess, as well. Interesting. Um, yeah, we re recently had a podcast with the uh, Global Gardens of Boise and their efforts with the refugee community and and the yeah. and agriculture. Yeah, I, I think we're starting to realize how how much of our community is is focused in with this you know refugee community and how many conversations yeah. um, all tied together and uh, you know bringing people together. I, so it's fun to kind of see this series developing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. tell us a little bit about the Wasmuth, uh, the Wasmuth Center. A lot of people locally may not have even heard about it or what you do, but the mission seems to be incredibly pertinent. So give us a, um, a, a brief summary. Yeah. So the Wasmuth Center for Human Rights was founded in 1996, um, and it was founded really to create a memorial to human rights in um, in Idaho. And that kind of came on the heels of a few things. So one sort of brief sort of historical background, right, of the Aryan Nation compound that was up north, Bill Wasmuth, which is where we get the name of the center from. He was a Catholic priest up in northern Idaho who became one of the leaders of the coalition that ultimately was successful in um, in bringing about the end of the Aryan Nation compound up there. And so um, so that's kind of where the center gets its name. His name isn't maybe as well known, so we get that question a lot. Um, and then in the early 90s, um, there was an Anne Frank traveling exhibit that came to Idaho as part of a national tour. And the turnout was so large and there was such a response that some local um, leaders of, of various backgrounds came together and felt like there needed to be something more permanent in the community. And so the Wasma Center for Human Rights is also the builder and the home of the Anne Frank, the Idaho Anne Frank Human Rights Memorial, which is located right along the Greenbelt near downtown Boise, kind of right by the main public library. Um, and so part of what we do is we are the stewards of the memorial, which is I think in many ways, maybe a bit of the moral compass um, for the community and for the state. Um, for those who haven't been there, it is really, um, even though it, it has Anne Frank's name in it, it is a, a space that is broader reflection um, than just about Anne Frank specifically, or even um, you know the events of World War II and the Holocaust. So it really is a human rights memorial and um, it's open to the public all the time. It's, it's one of the parks really, and people are welcome to come through and look and, and learn and reflect and think. Um, and then out of that, so the Anne Frank Human Rights Memorial opened in 2002. And the Wasmuth Center, the um, really the overall work that we do is human rights um, education. So we really sit in an educational space. We work with 
schools, with students, with companies, um, community partners. We have a wide variety of programs. Um, overall, our mission is to promote respect um, for human dignity and diversity through education and to foster individual responsibility to work for peace and justice. So all of our programming is really geared towards that. And next year, we're really excited. We've broken ground on a new education building that will be adjacent to the memorial and will finally actually give us a space that um, will really allow us to expand and deepen the work that we are doing. So we're really excited about that addition. That's amazing. I remember the first time that I found the memorial, I almost feel like we just kind of stumbled upon we it. We did. I think we were just on a like a walk on the on the green belt and we we're like, what is this really what cool is statue? This? Yeah. And then we started walking around, and we're like, wait, how did we not know this was here? It's it, it's beautiful. When you're sitting there and you're reading about it and you look at kind of how it's configured, it's almost like a little mini amphitheater, right? With places to sit and focus. Um, it's a really humbling and sombering spot. I, mm -hmm. I couldn't believe that I ha had never heard about it. Yeah, it's yeah. very poignant. Yeah, and it's 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 interesting. Thank no, I I think that's um, that's a response that we get from a lot of people, and and it's interesting because every year, not including the COVID years, because you know, like everything else, a lot of things slow down um, for us and in the memorial as well. But we probably have um, close to ten thousand students that go through the memorial every year. And um, Boise Parks and Rec estimates that well over 100,000 visitors just to the community go through, whether it's on organized docent-led tours or just on their own kind of like you did, like finding it on a bike ride or bringing, you know, family visiting from out of town there. So a lot of visitors go through um, the memorial every year. So we're really happy that it's there. I read a statistic that I wonder if I misinterpreted is how many Anne Frank um, official and Frank memorials are there in the United States? So until recently, we were the only um, Anne Frank memorial. Um, we continue to be the only Anne Frank human rights memorial. So there is one other um, sort of a, a small memorial specifically to Anne Frank, I believe now in South Carolina. So, um, but we're the only Anne Frank human rights memorial still. Interesting. But, Interesting. Yeah. So tell, um, the center exists for a purpose, and uh, it seems as if you're really focused on education and outreach uh, for the purpose of promoting human rights. How do you articulate the problem? What is it that the center is aimed at making better or changing or eliminating? How does your group talk about it? Uh, that's a really great question. So um, over the years, we've developed um, um, a model that we call the spiral of injustice. Um, and it's it's a way of thinking about how, whether it's in a community or in a larger space, um, how we can go from language and how if we don't interrupt language that others people, right? So it's kind of when we are trying to, you know, we're creating that othering. If we don't interrupt that spiral, it will continue to devolve downwards till you ultimately get to violence and, um, and elimination. And so we use that model a lot to, whether we're in a, a classroom setting or a community setting, to engage with people to really be looking around them and thinking about Let's start with language. What does language, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? How is it othering? Um, and then the other part of that is really um, what we call being an upstander. So instead of being a bystander, 
It's how can we be that person or that group of people who, when they see injustice, um, stands up, right? And that doesn't always mean that you have to put on your superhero cape and fly into the rescue, right? There are lots of ways. Even just learning and informing ourselves can be a big step towards being an upstander, right? But um, there are a lot of ways. So so those are two of the, the kind of the primary, I guess, sort of models or ways that we try to encourage that deeper thinking around not just labeling, not just saying this side is doing that, side is doing that, or this group or that group, but really like, how is it showing up in our community? What are people experiencing? And, and then we kind of go through there. And what we found is that um, because it's an entry point that sometimes is unexpected for people, that there is more willingness maybe to engage and to really think about what they're seeing and hearing and, and then be willing to kind of think about that. So, hmm. and we have other programs as well, but those are, I would say, for a lot of the core work that we do. I love that the the spiral of injustice because one thing I see just in working with the community is that I think that deep down, you ask 99% of Idahoans, do you believe that your race is better than someone else's? Or do you believe that your gender is better? Or do you believe that we should be separating ourselves? Or it, they're going to say no. You know, to their core, we're, we're good people. It's that we often we're not realizing that our language is moving in a different direction and how quickly it can dissolve. And sometimes we have to be alerted to, you know, this, some of this language, how it is othering. Because I, I'm from um, Spokane and in the 90s, I was watching the news. You know, I was, I was watching the Aryan Nation situation. I remember the bombing and yeah. thinking, how did we get to this point? It had never occurred to me anyone could feel this way. And I yeah. needed to get that information because we actually just got back from the Holocaust Museum in Washington, DC, and I'm, I'm having oh, this conversation mm. with, with my middle schooler of how could we ever get to this point? And I said, do you remember the very first thing that they talk about in the, in the memorial? It was the books taking away the conversation. I'm like, that seems simple, right? That seems simple. Um, and sometimes, you know, history, often, history is repeating ourselves because we are not aware of the signs. And what I've, when I've looked at some of the stuff that you're doing, it seems like you're, you're really highlighting those signs, maybe signs that make us uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 And, and I think it's, it's, um, you know, um, I think a visit to that museum is so powerful. Right. And I think that, um, in, in a lot of the work that we do, we're, we're trying to think about how do we bring in those themes or those echoes from history, but also acknowledging that we are in a different time for different reasons now, right? Yet some of those same things do reappear in different ways, right? And so, um, so yeah, I think, you know, to your point, it is, um, I, I think there was a lot we can learn from history. And at the same time, how do we draw those you know, kind of those through lines to what we're seeing today and what is the same and what is different. Um, well, what what are you seeing today? I mean, that's what I like is I feel like we can't really step around it. Sometimes we have to look at it directly and stuff is happening now, you know, disturbing things. Um, yep. Because again, I think it all comes back that we say we all are equal and but our verbiage and our politics um, and our leaders aren't always... Um, aren't always showing a good example of that. Um, so I, I'd be interested what, what you are seeing, especially in Idaho. 
Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, as you mentioned early on, right, I mean, Idaho has this interesting history, both of having had this experience with the Aryan nations, you know, um, in the past up north. Um, and, and I would say at that time, you know, really what, what I think is the sort of the flip side of Idaho's experience with that is we also had an amazing group of citizens across political beliefs, across religious beliefs, you know, community members who felt like, you know, this is not who we are. We are better than this. And they came together to really push back, right? And so I think while Idaho does often get a bad rap nationally, we also have a really great example of how when community can come together and 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 when we can see each other and sort of that humanize each other, right? And and really recognize that if someone else in my community is feeling unsafe or is suffering, then really the community isn't fully safe for any of us. And so I think what we're seeing a lot in Idaho now is we are seeing certainly, um, you know, in, in some areas, um, and, and I think in a lot of our political leadership, a move further to the right. Um, and I think that what years ago, maybe five or 10 years ago, would have been still by most people considered to be fairly extremist thinking, has now really in many ways um, become sort of more normalized, I think. And, and so the result, you know, the fact that we are back at a place where book bannings are happening and that, you know, entire, you know, groups of people are feeling unwelcome in the community and, and certain rights are being rolled back and things like that. It's, um, you know, from a human rights standpoint. And when we think about human rights, it, it's not so much, um, you know, when I think of that term, I think for all people, right? So we need to be, uh, you know, one of our, our big hopes in the work that we do is, you know, we are all born with a basic level of human dignity, right? That is not conferred on us by the state or, you know, it's not really something that can be taken away, right? And that human dignity is something that we all share. And so how can we really be working to build communities where we are lessening the division and where we find more common ground and where we can, you know, um, you know, really try to counter, I think, a lot of this separation and divide that we keep hearing about and that everyone talks about. And, and I think, um, kind of going back to your comment, I think, you know, most people are going about their daily lives trying to do the best that they can, right? And so, um, you know, I think Idaho is in an interesting situation. And um, we've had a lot of change in terms of a lot of people moving here. And, and so there are, um, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, I think, um, there's just been a lot of change and change, can be really scary for people. And so sometimes during big times of change, um, we tend to latch on to something that feels familiar and try to, you know, try to grasp onto that. And I think to some extent, that's a little bit a factor as well, you know, big changes. And I like that you, it, it's about fear. I mean, it's always about fear. Separating is about fear. Um, and it's often yelled by people who would say that they're not afraid of anything. And I'm like, well, that's not really where your actions are showing. But one thing that we've noticed a lot, because we, we did a podcast a couple years ago about Californians moving to Idaho and the stories and why they're coming and like why we should, you know, how we can build community of us instead right. of other. And in the time since we've had that podcast, um, I am, I'm 
so much more aware of why people are coming here. And often they're dealing with some extreme trauma from the places they've come. Political trauma, um, they're, they're coming with real stories and and I and in a way, kind of refugees, you know, from this their own situation. And I think uh, those stories are important. And at the same time, what I'm seeing is that they're not dealing with their trauma, and they're coming afraid. And so what's happening is that they are, instead of coming to a place to see what is it like, it's coming to the place and creating what they believe it should be. So we are starting to have this almost pitchfork feeling. Uh, we will come to Idaho and, and it's joining this army um, against whatever it is they came from. And I'm like, you know, that wasn't really what Idaho was about 20 years ago. That, and, and so the change that, and people are afraid of a change, but I'm like, I don't think it's the change you're thinking it is. It feels like it's a change of fear and a change of othering and a change of, of barricading um, us culturally and that's only going to lead to division and and as you talk about in the spiral that leads to violence but because it's so subtle sometimes I don't know if we're we're seeing it or aware of it that's just my take I don't know if you've seen anything similar to that Shane um I definitely think that it's easy for me to be empathetic with people who come from another place because when you listen to their stories there's some pretty legitimate reasons and some things that they've seen uh, or uh, that they're trying to get away from, I'd want to get away from those things too. And a lot of those things are based on decisions that are made on a, on a larger level. And so I think that they, they, they come here thinking we can't make those same mistakes. And I really respect that. I think sure. that, that's great. Where I think that we have some issues is like what you were talking about is it does come with a bunch of fear. And I, I guess I'm not always in agreement with the actions and kind of what it's contributing to. It feels to me that it has pushed us towards that more extremist position. Like we've kind of tipped the ratio mm -hmm. and I'm not totally pleased with how that's playing out. It's definitely not becoming a kinder place um, or a more welcoming place. And if you ask anyone individually, you sit down, don't you want your, don't you want your community to be more welcoming, kind, you talk to them individually, yeah, that's what they're going to say. It's when it's groups so often don't have that same messaging. That's what I'm seeing. I was talking to um, our friends at Ida History, Jeff and Mark, uh, when they were researching their, research, uh, their recent episodes about the Aryan Nation and uh, uh, Bill Wasmuth and the Kootenai Task Force and kind of what they did in North Idaho. And um, Mark was telling me, he said, they got a lot of hate. I guess I hate might be a strong word, but there was a lot of resistance from people saying, hey, why do we got to talk about this? This isn't our past. This is something that we've, we've already dealt with. Bringing it up just reflects poorly on us. Can we, can we move forward? And he has an, an interesting take as a historian. Of course, historians have kind of a longer you know, memory than most of us, but he sees a lot of value in sharing and keeping some of this stuff fresh. And um, one of the things that he told me is that uh, it's a misconception that these things are in our distant past. In fact, they're in our recent past. I mean, um, the y when you grew, grew up in the 90s, uh, in the 80s, in the 90s was kind of, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but 
uh, that's kind of the heyday of the violence with several bombings, um, mm-hmm. a slew of murders. Like, I couldn't believe how much violence there was and what form the violence took. Like, it was horrific things. And so when we think, it, like uh, Christina, you had mentioned the bravery of these people in the community that stood up and did something, they were standing up in the face of some pretty serious atrocities that would make your stomach turn. That yeah. was awesome. And yeah, and, and I think, you know, part of the reason why I think it is, um, you know, I, und- I understand that sentiment of like, it's in the past, let's move on, right? And um, when you look at what happened, right, up north, just being very specific to Idaho, right, the first signs were what? They were swastikas that showed up, they were, you know, anti-Semitic, they were racist, right? That it started with language, right? Language isn't just the spoken word. It's what we, you know, it can be the written word, it can be imagery, right? It can be the spoken word. And, you know, um, right now in, you know, in the city of Boise, um, there are on a, you know, certainly not on a regular basis. Um, I think, you know, um, I, th- I think in Boise, there is largely still a, a community very committed to, um, you know, trying to be welcoming and, and, and um, you know, and, and creating belonging for folks. But, um, you know, there are swastikas that are drawn on surfaces um, on a, you know, I mean, it, it happens. It's not just a one-off. It's not once every five years, you know, there's sort of a, a consistent count of those kinds of things. There are anti-LGBTQ type things coming up, racist, you know, I mean, so it's still, it, it's still, very much happening and because of what we know from history is that if we ignore those signs and that so let's say language when it first starts to show up and you don't say wait a minute like this is not acceptable or we don't educate about what the meaning is behind some of the symbols and why it might be very offensive or fear inducing to certain groups um you know it's um it it can go from there you know it's a little bit of that testing piece and and i think that you know of course we all hope that it never gets to the point of you know of of violence and obviously elimination right but you know after language you know the next sort of part of the down of the spiral is avoidance and then discrimination right and so when we start to see things that are, you know, more openly discriminating against. I mean, you know, it's, it's unfortunately from history, we can see, even if they aren't playing out exactly the same, um, a lot of those through lines are, are there. And, and that's why I think it's important to, you know, to not maybe dwell on the history of it, but to like, how can we be informed, you know, by it? And, and how can we see what, okay, like we, we don't want to go down this path again. So for sure. I think that by turning away because it's uncomfortable, it's, it's easier to forget so that we don't recognize, wait, we heard this, we heard this language, or we saw this tactic just in my grandparents day or in my parents day by not talking about it. You, I I think that it can sneak up and surprise you again without even realizing that, oh man, we're going through the same cycle. We just did this. And not that long ago. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, I, I think, though, on the flip side, also, um, there are some groups who keep sort of natural, you know, national statistics on where are, you know, different acts of violence, whether it's, you know, sort of with an anti-Semitic bent or LGBTQ or, you know, any of them are not okay, but let's just say right in that sphere. And Idaho really does, compared to some other states, have really low rates of, of actual, um, you know, of actual 
violent attacks on individuals, let's say, um, which we are seeing more in, in some other parts of the country, right? Um, and, um, and, and so I think that on the one hand, that's instructive. I think that it is also, um, you know, I think where where I think our, our, our task often in Idaho is um, because we, we have a lot of diversity in some ways, right? People from lots of different parts of the country and other parts of the world and, and everything, but compared to some places, maybe it's not as obvious. Mm. Um, and that makes it easier, I think, to other, because if we don't often have personal experience with a member of whatever, another group in whatever way, shape or form that is, um, or we don't have the opportunity to learn and to hear their perspectives or, you know, re or, or incorporate their history into our collective history, you know, things like that. It, um, I, I think it becomes easier to, for it to sort of take on this big nebulous threat, right. Mm -hmm. Of some kind. And that is what, you know, the, the, you know, the group think is around, I guess, in some ways, right, this sort of um, vague kind of threat of something that could happen. And so therefore, we have to, you know, um, you know, do these, these other things sort of preventatively, I guess. Um, so, so then it's interesting in that way. I'd seen you're, you know, you obviously have a purpose, you, you want to focus on keeping human rights, it seems honestly, it's kind of like, seriously, we have to do that <laughs> you know there's um part of me just is is just shocked that we're, we're we haven't we haven't learned enough but obviously you want to you want to give tools you want to you want to help the individual from what i can see um do you have like a program or like a, a something sp specific that you teach that kind of gives people words um gives people actionable steps because i guarantee there's no one listening to this podcast who doesn't think I want that. I want our community to be better, tighter, kinder. But not everybody has a platform to speak. Um, not every, It doesn't have to be this big thing. We lived in the South um, for eight years, and racism is very different there. And it's really interesting to watch how people handle it specifically. Um, and I did, being wa raised in Washington, I did not have the tools um, given to me to, I think, acknowledge racism, to handle it in a way where I could address it um, kindly and yet firmly. And I had to learn that as an adult. So I'm wondering what, what you, you know, what you suggest or what you offer or, or how we help our community with this. Yeah, I mean, I think, gosh, you know, that's the million dollar question, right? So, um, I mean, I think, you know, to your point, individual action is just as important right i think it's it it's on all of us to to try to be mindful of our words and our actions right and what we model for our children or you know how we show up in the community um so i think there's you know there's that piece um we have we do have a couple different programs. So there are a lot of things people can do related to the center. One thing that is free and is just an hour of time is to sign up for a docent led tour of the memorial. And the docents are an awesome group of trained volunteers who care really deeply about the memorial and the, you know, the history and all the symbolism in it. And they're so good at explaining. And, and it's just a really good opportunity to um, really learn all of what it's about right and 
for reflection and, and, and all of that. So that's just even a simple one, right? Of just bring your family down. There's something for everybody. It's open all the time. You don't have to pay. It's just, it's there, right? So, um, so, so that's an easy one. Um, we have, um, a lot of different programming that we do throughout the year. So for people who are interested, actually, can I stop you um, real fast? I just want to go yeah, back before sure. we move on. What is it you think, like, I know what I got from the memorial, but you say sign up for the memorial. What is it that people can, exp- that the kind of messaging, because I think, oh, Anne Frank, but it's so much more than that. So right. why are people, why should people bring or take their children and their families to the memorial? What is the overall message? I mean, I think the overall message is hope, right? I mean, ultimately, which may seem like a funny thing for a human rights memorial, but the whole idea is really that even when it feels like we might be in a time that is harder and 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 we're seeing the resurgence of things that don't feel good to us, um, we we can't stop working, right, towards um, and 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 really trying to again, being, you know, keeping that shared human dignity piece in front of us at all times, right? Because that gets easy to lose sight of. Um, And then I think in the memorial, you know, there are a lot of different parts to the memorial, right? So there are the quote walls that have a variety of quotes from different people, different places in the world, different times in history. And that's something that's just good for thinking and sort of chewing on and you see sort of universal themes. There's a part that's more specific to Anne Frank and kind of what her legacy and her experience, you know, was. And then there are some parts that are specific to Idaho and that talk about like what has, you know, what are, you know, who are some of the human rights leaders in Idaho? What are some of the positives, right? So it's not just a place that is, meant to be sort of heavy and and have people leading it feeling like oh no right it's really the idea that you know we as humans we go through these ups and downs and while we may be in (laughs) a little bit of a trough in some ways we have all the tools and we have all the capability to come back up you know sort of into a more hopeful um a place so i think that is kind of one of the big takeaways Mm. i hope for people from the what is the other thing you you said that one thing that people can do is sign up for the docent uh, led tour. The docent led tour, mm-hmm. and then we have um, we have an online human rights certification program that is self paced that people can sign up through our website, and that just takes you through um, a lot of sort of thinking and and reflection. There's the ability to sort of reflect and respond, and then we have a new program that is kind of coming off of that called Conversations, Not Confrontations which is both a bit, it is really focused on how can we have better conversations, right? Where it's not about, I'm right, you're wrong, I won, you lost, but it's more about, I'm gonna do a better job of listening. I'm gonna try to hear, and we may not agree, but can we be civil? Can we learn from each other, right? So so how can we get past this idea that, oh, you believe that, or you belong to that group, therefore, we can never have a conversation or we can't, our kids can't play soccer together or whatever it is, right? So, so confrontate our conversations, not confrontations um, is both a program that has an online component that people can do. It's pretty short. And then we are offering an in-person sort of supported way to practice those skills in a safe way, right? Because I think it's like anything you can logically know, oh, I could respond in a moment of stress 
this way, this way, this way, and logically understand it, right? But we know what our brains do when we find ourselves face-to-face -face with someone who is yelling at us or is whatever, or a situation that feels scary. Often our neurobiology kicks all of our best intentions out the window, right? And so, so part of it is really, I think, practicing those skills, right? In safe places before it becomes something that is, you know, um, whether it's within our own families or in our workplace or in our communities. Um, and, and then right now we have, for example, um, we're just finishing up um, our second week of our summer kindness camp. So that's for young children ages four to eight. We'll be doing that every summer. We have a, a Wasmouth Youth Leadership Program for eighth through 12th graders. So we have a cohort right now of students from all around the Treasure Valley um, participating in that. We're doing a human rights teacher or educator fellowship. So that's a year long program for educators who are thinking intentionally about how to keep the idea of, of human rights and really, you know, a, a joyful and, and sort of, you know, again, that dignity piece at the forefront of their classrooms. Um, and then we do a lot of events in the community. So we do, you know, events with authors or films or other things to just keep the conversation and the thinking and the reflecting going. So a lot of that information can be found on our website, um, which is just wasmithcenter.org. Um, so. Awesome. Man, this is so informative. Um, uh, just as we draw to a, a close, I'm super grateful that there's a group here locally that's focused on something like this, and especially at this time. Uh, so uh, very much appreciate you and all the other uh, volunteers who are helping um, to promote human rights. And uh, I hope that Idaho keeps marching forward to be leaders in that area. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, love, I just love that you're focusing, I think, in hope, because sometimes I don't feel it. You know, sometimes, you know, you, you see... The news is not uh, subtle anymore. It's not just at five o'clock. It's all the time. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of anger and it's just like, sometimes I feel overwhelmed because I know what I can do for me. And I, and as parents, we try to talk about leaders and groups, even if we don't agree with them kindly and respectfully. And um, that almost seems novel at this point, you know, <laughs> but, you know, we keep on doing it and just knowing I don't know, I just keep thinking, we, we got this one short duration on this planet, and if we're not, if we are not contributing to the ripples that make it good, we're probably contributing to the opposite. And so knowing that there's, there's sources where it's like, for people who do want to have the positive ripples, and maybe they weren't given the tools automatically that, that there are places they can go, and that there's hope that there's more people who want to have those positive ripples than the, than the opposite. Yeah. yeah. Well, Christina, thank you so much. Uh, best of luck. Um, any other final thoughts that you'd like to share? Yeah, no, just um, please look us up. Feel free to reach out if you have questions or want to get involved. Um, stay tuned for the, um, the new building that is on its way. And we're really excited for that. So watch for that. Um, that will be sort of, you know, coming up next to um, the memorial. And thanks so much. It's really great to meet both of you. And thanks for what you're doing. Awesome. awesome. And can Good you show. just tell us yeah. just the website that people can, uh, can look you up? Mm -hmm. So it's wasmithcenter.org. Okay, wonderful. All right. All right. Thanks Thank so much. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at the Boise Bubble. And for more information about our community, follow at Hello Meridian. See you next time. 
Thanks again to our sponsors, Jesse Taff of Waypoint Real Estate Group and Bryce Gonser of Fulcrum Home Loans for supporting local dialogue. Find them on the web at www.waypointidaho.com and www.fulcrumhomeloans.com to learn more. And thanks to our new sponsor, Treasure Valley Dermatology and Dr. Dustin Portella. Find them on the web at www.dermatologyboise.com and on Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Dustin Portella.